If you can find a spread in a fix and flip of 20 or 30 grand, go out on the fringe areas of where you live and try to find some little house where the numbers make sense, where you can get a 20% cash on cash return or better and just buy that house free and clear. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fun That Flip, you know Fun That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fun That Flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode. What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you got to do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've got to qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's going to help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, hello, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out all that fluff you see and hear out there and we get down to the best real estate advice that moves your business forward. With us today, we got Tom Nardone. How you doing, Tom? Hey, Joe. I'm doing great. Well, nice to have you on the show and really looking forward to diving in, especially given your website's name and your nickname, which is The Millionaire Mailman. That's so intriguing. So a little bit about Tom. He is a real estate investor and mentor at Millionaire Mailman. He's purchased over 250 properties over 25 years experience. He's co-authored the book, Secrets of the Real Estate Millionaires, and he's been featured on Good Morning America, CNBC, many other news publications you've heard of. He's based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and you can say hi to him at his website, which is in the show notes link. You can just click through right there. And with that being said, Tom, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to, Joe. Thanks. Let me kind of start with how I got started and the whole millionaire mailman thing and how that came about is uh, I'm down here in sunny South Florida and originally started out as a Jersey boy in the Northeast and moved down here to South Florida at the ripe old age of 19. And I got a job at the post office delivering the mail. So uh, I also met my wife there. This is back in the early 80s. Uh, I'm 56 now, so I've been around for a while doing this. My wife quickly let me know that she didn't intend on living with a mailman's paycheck for a lifestyle for the rest of her married life. So 
that kind of pressed me out into the world trying to find out something that would work for me in a bigger way. And that's when I got into real estate investing. But uh, the whole millionaire mailman thing came about because I would see opportunities on my mail route, either walking around or driving around, that nobody else would see. So that's kind of how that all got started. Interesting. Okay. And then you've purchased 250 properties over 25 years. What was your primary focus? Is it wholesaling? Well, my primary focus when I got started was buy and hold. And I like to tell my students and people I teach today that, you know, I, I kind of got started backwards in a sense because the mentors I learned from back in the 80s, they told me, oh, buy and hold. And back in the 80s, I mean, fix and flicks was certainly around, but a lot of buy and hold mentality was out there. So back in those days, we had a lot of fully assumable, non-qualifying VA and FHA mortgages. And back in the 80s, we had a little mini crash, which was a um, kind of a savings and loan crisis, which was kind of like a miniature version of what happened here on a larger scale five or six years ago. So I got started during that crash of the 80s, and a lot of people were just walking away from their homes. And me being the mailman, I would see the U-Haul trucks pull up, and I'd say, well, wait a minute, where are you going? And they would say, well, we can't make a living down here. We're moving back up north. And I'd say, well, what about the house? And they'd say, oh, we're just giving it back to the bank. And I'd say, well, hold on, you know, give me your coupon book for your mortgage payment and just let me take over your payments. And that's how I got started. I just got started taking over people's payments as they were walking away from their homes. And how many of those properties did you take over payments for? You know, over a 10-year period, I bought 37 houses that I was renting out all on my mail routes. And in fact, some of the blocks, I own like three or four houses on one single block because once I bought one guy's house, the word kind of got out that, well, hey, don't give your house back to the bank. The mailman will buy it. He'll give you a thousand or two down and uh, take over your payments. So that's kind of how I, uh, I wound up with 36 or 37 properties in, uh, by the time I was age 35. And do you still have most of those properties? Actually, what I did was when those properties doubled and tripled in value, I sold off of the majority of them and paid off loans on other properties. And I'm down to where I have about 15 houses or 15 properties in total that we, uh, we rent out. And the majority of those are free and clear. And we find we'd rather have a much lower amount of free and clear properties than have a whole bunch of leverage properties. That's probably my big life lesson. Yeah, agreed. That's one of the takeaways I've learned from doing all these interviews, uh, especially people who are going through the crashes. Are any of those 15 properties that you currently have the part of the original 37 properties? Actually, I would say probably about half of them are. Okay. When you sold them, the ones that you did sell, what did you use that money for? We either bought other properties, low-end properties, and, and this has become my new model, is that if I see a house, and at one time, by the way, just to kind of give you a, um, a relationship of the numbers, in Florida back in the 80s, I was able to buy these houses at, say, you know, $75,000, $80,000 around Fort Lauderdale area. They were everywhere. And then in the ridiculous market of 2005, 2006, those houses grew up like in a 10-year period to be like three to $400,000 houses. Hmm. So unfortunately, I missed my window. <laughs> I went on a massive sell-off when I saw the, the market was starting to free fall. 
but and probably a lot of other investors have a, a similar story. So for a lot of the properties, some of them I actually did have to short sale and just get away from it and just look at the investment and go, whoa, what happened? <laughs> you know, here we were 50% leveraged on our worst day, and now we're even upside down on 50% leverage. Mm. So back in this crash, and I'm sure that those who have been around for 10 years or so can probably testify to the fact here in Florida that we saw $300,000 houses actually go down to being worth like 50 grand. Mm. So it was, it was a very strange time. I might have missed it. What did you say is your current strategy? My current strategy is if I have a large equity in a property that I have a mortgage of say, you know, 75 or $100,000 and I have an equity of anywhere, you know, 50 or $100,000, right now we're selling those properties off because we're in another market run up at this point. And I'm going not too far from here into central Florida, in the heartland of Florida, like somewhere between Fort Lauderdale and Orlando. There's plenty of towns where you could buy a nice little house for like $30,000, own it free and clear, never have a bank involved in your life again, and that house will rent for like eight fifty dollars a month. So our rates of return on a free and clear property are still very good here. Mm. The homes that you own free and clear, where are they located, roughly? There actually is no roughly. They're all over? <laughs> there, yeah. I got two in Pensacola, which is actually a 12-hour drive from here, and it's still within the state of Florida, um, almost to Alabama and Mississippi, up in that area. We have two mobile homes. In fact, we own, in total in that number, we own four mobile homes total, and those are probably some of the best investments we ever made. Spread out all over Florida, though? Yeah, pretty much like Boca Raton, Fort Lauderdale, Pompano Beach. Just about two months ago, we just bought a house in a little hick town called Crescent City, which is up near Daytona Beach. I bought a three-bedroom, one-bath, cinder block home built in 1985. So it's got like the latest of electrical wiring and plumbing and so forth and roof. We paid $12,500 for that house. It's about 1,200 square feet. We just put about another twelve grand into it because we had to tear the kitchen out. We did the flooring, did the wall. So we're all in at about $24,000. And that house will rent for seven fifty dollars a month. So the cash-on-cash cash return on that is just unbelievable. Now, of course, I know that's just a little one-off. So if you're looking to scale this thing and buy 100 multi-units, yeah, that, that's a different mentality than these little one-off investments, but these little one-off investments, you know, you can get as high as a 30% cash-on-cash return if, if you're selective about buying and what you buy and you do good marketing and you know where to find good deals. What type of marketing is most effective to find those good deals? Well, I would say probably most effective is direct mail to the right targeted list and to the right area. That particular house that we bought for $12,000 in Crescent City, that actually came off of a television ad because last year I ran about 500 television commercials. Hmm. How much does that cost? You wouldn't believe the price if I told you. <laughs> um, we actually ran those, and I can't give you all my secrets because I have an NDNC with my media buyer. We ran them on broadcast TV, and we ran them at late night hours, and I actually was able to get the commercials for as little as like 6 or $7 for a 30-second spot. 
for someone who wants to do TV commercials to acquire properties that have some value built into them, what are a couple tips you'd give them? If you're going to run TV commercials, go into a media market, first of all, where the price is not going to break you up. You know, if I were to run that in my hometown area of like New York City, oh my gosh, I don't even know what uh, 30 seconds would cost there. I think we priced it one time. It was like three or $400. And that's running it in the wee hours of the morning. But there are some broadcast channels and, and understanding where we are, a lot of people are getting away from broadcast TV for the obvious reason that everything's digital. And even now, when you go to Walmart, they have a whole, you know, uh, and I don't quite understand the technology, but I think it's like uh, you can get digital TV, a digital signal with this little box you stick to your window glass, and it kind of brings you in a free signal without having to pay for cable or UVerse or DirecTV or any of that. So it kind of runs on that network, and we selectively picked certain networks that we could run on to understanding where a certain demographic of people live and understanding a certain demographic of show that people w would watch. Now, maybe certain people out there are familiar with stuff like, and I'll just maybe date myself here, McHale's Navy, <laughs> uh, Gilligan's Island, you know, The Addams Family. We would run on shows like that because we figured people that are still watching those shows are kind of caught in a time warp and they're probably, what's the nice word to use, say, less sophisticated than other people that might be watching Fox News. And that demographic of person is very easy to negotiate with when we get a lead. Hmm. When you are looking at the markets, I mean, someone who hasn't purchased a TV spot and they don't know how much it would actually cost, if it's going to be 300 bucks like New York or, you know, seven bucks. Who would you recommend they reach out to? If they're in front of their computer and the screen says Google, where do they go to get started if they hear you and they're like, wow, maybe I should do some TV commercials? What I would do is um, I would reach out to one of the franchise operations that already have vanity, billboards, and advertising, and a vanity phone number that you can tap into and just see if you could purchase the rights to maybe one of their commercials so this way you didn't even have to construct the commercial mm. and just tap into that now probably one of the biggest ones would be the we buy ugly house guys the home investors guys that that would probably be one of the biggest ones and that's a full structure where from what i understand i'm because i'm not a home investors franchisee but from what i understand you have to buy a particular territory and then you have access to all the different proprietary ways of their branding that they use. There are much smaller organizations out there, and I could probably think of about maybe three or four that are just the people that I've stumbled across. And I don't want to mention their names or give them any kind of pre-commercial, and I want to keep mine proprietary. I don't know what you would Google, actually. Maybe just um, uh, well, real estate investment branding or advertising. Yeah, I, I think that's very helpful. If someone's in that market, you just open up your eyes and you look around to see who's doing the advertising. If you're not in that market and you want to be there, then go make a friend in that market and talk to them and, and get their thoughts on who's doing the advertising. I want to switch gears to your 15 properties that you own free and clear all across Florida. How do you manage them? 
You know, we just manage those myself, my wife. I have a bookkeeper who just left here a few hours ago. And uh, it's a very simple operation. It, it's, it's really not that complicated. We set everybody up on ACH payments, so it's a direct deposit that goes right into our account. And uh, if I have to uh, send somebody out there to take a look at the property, we'll use a local process server to go out there and serve a late notice if we have to and just you know pay him the 30 or 40 bucks he wants. And uh, actually, the far away properties in Pensacola, I've actually had those with a property manager up there who manages those for me for 10%. And the rest around here, if we need to send somebody out there, we've also used a company called wegolook.com. And they'll actually go out to a property of yours and they'll take pictures of the inside, the outside. It only costs about 40 or 50 bucks. It depends where it's located. They have a price for everything. But the, there's a company out there, wegolook.com. They'll look at anything you want. They'll look at a boat, a car, a house that you're contemplating putting under contract that might be out in the mm. sticks. And if you think you're going to burn a tank or two of gas to go that far to see it, or you have a rental property you haven't seen for years and you're wondering what it looks like and you've been managing it and you, you haven't had to deal with the tenant, so you haven't had to go there, we could send them over there to take pictures and they'll, they'll just email them back to us. Hmm. Interesting. With the ACH payments, you were mentioning some of the rents, you know, 750 bucks. You, you said that you've got four mobile homes those residents, they have bank accounts that they can draw ACH payments from? Yeah, they have bank accounts. And one little trick I learned from a friend is that uh, you can actually go down to Walmart and you can get a debit card that you put in cash into an account at Walmart's. And uh, you can get basically the, the uh, what do you call it, the, um, the credit card number to that debit card. And you can charge their payment every month. And this way, they don't have to have a bank account where if they have judgments or collections and are afraid somebody's going to grab their money, they don't seem to beat up on the people at Walmart. I've had a couple of landlord friends that showed me what they were doing, and I, I've got my first tenant, actually, the long distance that I'm setting up on that system right now. As you know, Walmart is pretty much everywhere, almost like 7-Eleven stores these days. So it's easy for people that are in the lower-end communities where there are mobile homes and stuff like that, to go into a Walmart and pay that you know don't normally have a checking account. Because as we both know, a lot of people that rent some of the lower-end properties, they kind of live by way of the check cashing store and stuff like that. And incidentally, Walmart does check cashing at a lot less rate than does the check cashing store itself. Mm. That's a great tip. Thank you for sharing that. All right, Tom, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best investing advice ever is not to be a slave to the lender. I would say every time you do a fix and flip, if you can find a spread in a fix and flip of 20 or 30 grand, every time you make that chunk of money, go out on the fringe areas of where you live, you know, where it starts to turn rural, and try to find some little house where the numbers make sense, where you can get a 20% cash on cash return or better and just buy that house free and clear, never have a mortgage company involved in your life. If I had to do it all over again, I'd stay away from the three or $400,000 houses. That's just me. There's nothing wrong with that because I've lived through a crash and I've survived two crashes. The second one, I've seen a lot of my friends who didn't survive. So I'm still here and they're still not. 
the free and clear houses that you buy that will always have a great cash on cash return. When you're buying houses that are under $50,000, I don't care where you are in the country, chances are it's not going to devalue any less than that. And if you plan on keeping it for life, then you'll never have to worry about where you're going to eat from again as long as you get 10 or 20 of those together. So that, that's my big advice. Do you ever leverage that money after the fact or is that just going against what you initially attended, which was not have any financing on it? That would be going against what I initially intended. My original intent now is to just own it free and clear and set a foundation for yourself so that, you know, if something happens to you, or you get sick or if you're married and, you know, something happens to you, you get run over by a beer truck over here on Fort Lauderdale Beach or something. You're going to set your family up to where if you have, you know, even just 10 houses free and clear that you can rent for, say, you know, 700 to to $1,000 a month, that's going to be enough income that'll pay the bills for your family long after you're gone if something happens to you. So that's the initial foundation. And once you get that set up, then you're off the treadmill of life and wondering what's going to happen to you next month. So now you can get on to, you know, either higher risk investments or diversify your portfolio in other ways. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Go for it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, if you're looking to take control of your retirement and you have a 401k or IRA, then check out Sense Financial. It's S-E-N-S-E financial.com. They offer you the chance to take control of your retirement accounts through the self-directed 401k and IRA programs. You can request your free consultation at sensefinancial.com. Best ever book you've read? See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? The crash of 2007 and you're a slave to the lender. Best ever deal you've done? I just closed it eight weeks ago and the net profit was 239000 What type of deal was it? It was a quiet title situation which took four years to complete, but we got the debt wiped out on the property and uh, we were able to sell the property free and clear. And for anyone not familiar with quiet title, what is that? That's if you have a lien on the property that you know is past a particular statute of limitations and may no longer be enforceable by the lender, then you can go through a legal process within the court system with a good real estate attorney who understands quiet title and get the lien stripped from the property. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Best ever way I like to give back is um, probably through church and ministry and music ministry specifically. I'm a guitar player and I've played music ministry for years. And what is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? Biggest mistake I've made is, um, oh gosh, that's a good one. Biggest mistake I've ever made. That's um, doing too much buy and hold and not enough selling activity. Because it's the selling activity that creates the cash and the cash is the gasoline that keeps your business going. At what point in your career were you making that mistake and then when did you transition out of it? I transitioned out of that really just about five years ago. And what was the aha moment for you? The aha moment was when I saw that a market can correct 
so drastically in such a short period of time. And when I saw what the opportunities were in front of me and that you could buy stuff at like pennies on a dollar, now it's got me more conscious about bubbles and inflation and where we're headed now with this current run up in prices. So that's probably another reason that I'm looking at selling a bunch of my higher end properties right now and getting to cash. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Best place they can reach me is my email address, tom at millionairemailman.com. Or they could just visit my website, millionairemailman.com, and they can just contact me through the website. Well, Tom, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about your career, the lessons you've learned. I mean, I love having conversations with investors who have been in the business for a long period of time and have seen, in your case, seen a couple ups and downs in the market and probably three, I I imagine. And just the tactical suggestions and recommendations you have as far as looking at wegolook.com if if you need someone to go check out your property and then the commercial idea and um, how to get in touch with uh, potential companies so that you can get in and not have your whole marketing budget be spent on it but then do some sort of partnership where you said reach out to a franchise operation that already has the marketing and then purchase rights to maybe one or a couple or a package of their commercials. But then also the high level stuff where you talked about your, you know, your best ever advice, don't be a slave to the lender and your recommendation and approach of setting yourself and your family up by getting 10 houses free and clear, renting 750 a month and have that as a foundation because of the crashes that you've lived through so that you don't have to work with a mortgage company on that and you can have that cash flow should the ice cream truck hit you in Fort Lauderdale. So I really appreciate you uh, you sharing your insight. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Best ever listeners, if you're looking to take control of your retirement and you have a 401k or IRA, then check out Sense Financial. It's S-E-N-S-E financial.com. They offer you the chance to take control of your retirement accounts through the self-directed 401k and IRA programs. You can request your free consultation at sensefinancial.com.